everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson, and while the Major League Baseball may be in a lockout, the Miami Herald has made one of its biggest additions in I'm not even sure how long. And I don't even know I'd say addition, it's just he's back home. Andre Fernandez, welcome back, buddy, our new deputy sports editor. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate it. And it, it feels in a way like I never left, at least if people listening to this, because all it is was basically re, you know, putting a new title on it, maybe be breaking through the tape, you know, and, and changing what it looks like. Because, you know, I, I had been writing as everybody, as anyone that listens to this knows, I've been doing this with you, you know, pretty regularly and had been writing for the Herald on a freelance basis. But, you know, I, all I can say is, you know, I was, I was having a, you know, a, a good time in Tallahassee covering the Seminoles and really appreciative to the people up there, the Tallahassee Democrat for the opportunity they gave me. But, you know, when the chance comes to to come home and in, and in a very good situation, too, as uh, as has presented itself, luckily, both uh, working with you and many other people that I have known for quite some time in the business and obviously financially doesn't hurt you know, in a lot, in a, in a really good situation too. So happy to be back, man. Happy, happy to be back with you. And, and in this new role, doing these with you, doing these, maybe even making a few cameo appearances uh, on some of the other podcasts that the Herald uh, runs every week, you know, the, with, with Anthony Chang on the heat, maybe, and, you know, and the Dolphins and the Canes, those maybe, you know, we'll, we'll see. But at the very least, I'm, I know I'm going to be involved in the production phase of, of that. So looking forward to it. And, and yeah, most importantly, doing some fun work with you guys and 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 being being back together. Back the band, the band got one of its uh, band members back together. I think I like I told you before. I feel like the the retired wrestler that comes back as a manager, you know, and, and you know, every once in a while, I can still jump in the ring and do something and it cause some cause some havoc. But you know, I'm, I'm a little more behind the scenes in this role, but still very much actively involved. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and as we've mentioned many times in the show, again. I'm not, I haven't been around Dre as much as the rest of the staff. It's only been, I think about five, five and a half years since my mm-hmm. internship days back in 2016. But Andre was one of the first guys I met back when I was at that internship. My first assignment was helping cover the Broward high school awards banquet up in, up at the signature grand. Mm-hmm. And we just, we bonded right away. It continued that one year I was away from the Herald going back up to UF and the year and a, or the year and a half I should say when I was up at UF and then after graduating before coming back. And it's just, he helped me so much in just figuring things out when I was at the Herald and it's great to, for this reunion to take place and going to be able to talk a lot about a lot of baseball, even when there's not much baseball news coming on at this point. Our RIP in-person uh, Herald banquets, unfortunately. I, yeah. You know, the last couple of years we've had to do it virtually. It hasn't been the same. So, yeah. And since we're on the podcast here, I guess let's just make, let's just round up where everything is at with everything at a standstill at this point. Uh, when we recorded last week's episode, it was prior to a couple of the final moves that the Marlins made. We talked about Avisayo Garcia signing and about mm-hmm. Jacob Stalins being acquired. The day that the podcast ran and basically the hours after it went up, the Marlins traded for Rays all-star infielder Joey Wendell. They traded away Jorge Alfaro to the San Diego Padres for a player to be named later. And they also designated for assignment Lewis Brinson. So in the grand scheme of what the Marlins wanted to do, which was add bats, figure out their catching position, 
and figure out their outfield, they more or less accomplish a lot of what they wanted to do. Now there's still obviously work to be done. They want to get at least one more bat, ideally an outfielder, and even more specifically, ideally a center fielder. But if the center fielder part doesn't work out, they're confident enough that obviously Al Garcia and Brian De La Cruz, that combination can handle the center field spots. Just Dre, it's been a while since you've been on here, but just your initial reaction to what the Marlins did. And of course the Sandy Alcantara extension, I should have mentioned, we talked about that before as well, but just what the Marlins were able to do before everything went to a standstill with the lockout. Well, the biggest thing is uh, I leave for three years and suddenly the Marlins have money. Wait a second. <laughs> now we're talking. Uh, they're, they're, you know, no, I, I joke, but you know, they, no, it was good to see what they've been able to do. You know, are they doing massive max shirts or signings? No, but that's not that's not that type of franchise right now, at least. They're not not there yet, if they I guess you could say, but solid moves, no doubt. I mean, I like what Joey Wendell brings to the table in terms of the versatility, you know, the guy you can use pretty much anywhere on the infielder. And that's something they love. They love having those guys, you know, that can add that kind of depth. I mean. Look at him as probably what he's going to be needed the most, potentially, maybe in the middle infield, maybe second base, I would think, you know, something like that. I mean, we've seen over the them trying to get some mainstays at that position. I mean, you know, Miggy still I love the fact that they took care of Miggy in the offseason, too. You know, good to see on that front. And as far as Sandy goes, yeah, I mean, you lock up a guy who right now is – developing toward being one of the quality aces overall in the major leagues. You know, we've seen him have two good years, two, two solid years. And I think with the lockout coming and everything, I mean, yeah. Is it a very lucrative contract? No, you, for Sandy's sake, I kind of was like, well, I wish they could have given him a little more, but it at least gives him some security, you know, on both sides. It gives him a chance to kind of be, you know, because we don't know how certain things are going to be changed once the new CBA comes out and whatnot, but, you know, and, and obviously things can happen in terms of, you know, your injuries and whatnot. So at least Sandy, we know now has something where he's locked in for a little bit and at the top of that rotation. I mean, I love what they have there, obviously, with him, Trevor Rogers, Pablo still there. If he could stay, you know, hopefully he can continue to be continue to stay, you know, durable. I mean, I know that's been the issue, unfortunately, even at the end of last season with him, but you know, all the quality arms that were Cabrera, Sixto Sanchez would knock on wood, maybe might see him next year and pitching again, hopefully. But they didn't have to part with too much in terms of, you know, those kind of pitching arms, anything like that. You know, none, none of the premier, premier prospects that they're still counting on for big roles, at least. And that was good to see. Yeah, as from the pitching front, the only guys they gave up were Zach Thompson and Kyle Nicholas as part of Jacob Stalling trades. Connor Scott involved in that as well. Again, to not have to give up a Max Meyer type, a Dax Fulton type, uh, yeah. something of that nature to acquire your catcher for potentially the next three years that he's under team control, especially when the thinking, yeah. especially with the free agent catcher market being what it is and knowing that the Pirates possibly had a little more leverage in that front, knowing that the Marlins, were, Marlins or any team really was going to have to come in and trade, that they could have tried to make teams dangle a little bit more than they wanted to. and. For the Marlins to come away and not give up any of their core from the rotation for this year and beyond, to me that was a win. That was a win in their book. Well, the Rays. I mean, I'm looking at Wendell and Ray, and 
he was used mostly at third base, I see, by the Rays, at least last year. But he can play some shortstop. But Brian Anderson, correct me, I'm a little rusty here, but correct me if I'm wrong. Not only is he, you know, we hope he's still the same VA, but he has dealt with some injuries. That is correct. So yeah, this that's last, always yeah. This yeah. last year for Anderson was just chopped up. It was he had the one injury right before one of their long road. He had three different injuries this year alone. Yeah, he played about sixty some games. And the thing to remember again, Brian Anderson can play right field. He hasn't played True. in a few years, but it's been we saw how good he is defensively at both spots. So who knows if the Marlins, as much as they're trying to get that last that last outfit, another outfielder to come, whether it's via free agency or trade. Mm. If that doesn't happen, there is the, there is a fallback plan of Wendell potentially being your everyday starting third baseman, Brian Anderson getting some regular reps and right. And obviously O Garcia, as we said, said the top almost exclusively playing center. That is a possibility. It's not one that the Marlins prefer, but it is an option that is on the table in a situation. If should it arise. And Dela Cruz, who was one of the big stories last year, you know, that's good to have him there too, because Correct. we have him to add that depth in the middle there, like you were talking about. But yeah, interesting. And then in right field, you're talking about right field. JJ Blade, we talked at length about his struggles last year, but he had a good AFL, you know, good performance out there. Looked like he figured some things out. So what happens there? Because ideally, this is the year where he can come up at some point. Yeah. You know, so you kind of have that good problem where you have contingencies if the ideal scenarios don't work out there. So that, that's also good for them in terms of depth. I mean, I, you know, it, it's a team that you start to see ingredients all over the field of what you'd like, what you'd like to see, but you wonder yet how much of a leap are they ready to take? Because they didn't really take that leap last year for various reasons. Do they get significantly better this year? The division still has, obviously, the Mets. Look what they've done. The Braves are still the Braves coming off the world championship. They're going to be stacked. They're going to get Acuna back. But how much is this going to translate on the field next year if these pieces fit together the way they fit? Can they take a massive win leap? Or is it sort of still gradual where, yes, they'll be better than last year, but still kind of on the climb? Yeah, it's the good question to ask. But it's also, when you look at, you mentioned the Mets and the Braves, obviously, those are one and two at this point. But you also look at the flip side of it. The Nationals are in full rebuild mode. The Phillies mm-hmm. haven't done any, more or less anything at this point. So yeah. if you look at from if things work out, then the Marlins having some security blankets to help help absolve some of the injury issues if they were to arise again. They have some act- some guys who aren't just being called up for the sake of needing to be called up. Mm-hmm. And not to take anything away from him, but like, if Brian Anderson goes down again, you have a Joey Wendell. You don't necessarily have to call on 20-year-old Jose Devers to right. become an everyday guy for an extended period of time before he's probably ready. Right. You have some right. extra contingency there. You have some, again, you look at the pitching. They've got seven guys who theoretically for five spots, you, for five spots, they have a bullpen that, again, they need to get at least ideally probably at least one more high leverage guy to figure out if, if not necessarily be the closer to at least compete with Dylan Floro to have another guy there along with Anthony Bender to have your th- your seven, eight, nine situation, unless they think a guy like Lewis head who they acquire from the Rays or Zach pop is ready to make a jump to be consistently a high leverage guy, which we really don't know where that stands at this point. But in terms of the, the lineup again, again, we just roll through the options first base. You've got 
between Lewin Diaz, Garrett Cooper, and Jesus Aguilar. If the universal DH happens, which all signs still point to that, and hopefully it does happen, that gives you Garrett Cooper. Only hope. Yep. That gives you Garrett Cooper in the lineup every day as a DH, and then you could potentially platoon left-handed Lewin and right-handed Jesus Aguilar at first base. And then second, third, and fourth, you've got the three-way combination between Jazz, Miguel Rojas, Brian Ayers, and Joey Wendell. You have four guys for three spots every day. And you can mm-hmm. really start to do kind of what teams like the Rays and the Dodgers do, where it's you don't necessarily have the guys starting every day. You have the guys, and you're able to make your lineup based on what you need for that day. Mm-hmm. And it gives you the, yeah. yeah, it gives you the chance to play the, play the matchups, give, gives you the chance to rest guys more, gives you mm-hmm. the chance to make some of the make some of the defensive switches late in the game. It gives right. you it gives you options. You basically have two. Yeah, it's almost like looking at it like a football team. Like you have like in this case, you'd have at least like two deep at almost every spot of startable guys, not just bodies, not just right. experienced like no, no quality, startable talent at each spot or most spots anyway. Yeah, no, and that's again they, they didn't have that last year. And then at the catcher spot, Jacob Stallings obviously is the main guy. No, they haven't that, had that in years, really, yeah. like across the board. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's the, it's it's good to see that they're at least getting closer or getting more of that. Yes. Yeah, and now again, the only spots where they need to figure out is that fourth outfielder spot or the fourth person to be part of that outfield group, which will still move around, right? Yes. And yeah. then Stella Cruz can be that guy. I mean, yeah. if he's not starting, I yeah. mean, we saw it last year. So that's the interesting part. Yeah. And then, and it, yeah, you dip into the prospect pool. Is this a year? Burdick comes up too. I mean, I was mm-hmm. talking about Blade, but Burdick is another corner outfield possibility down the road that could finally make his debut if, if everything goes well. I mean, you trade away Cam Meisner is a guy that was kind of, you know, kind of a wait and see. Jury was out, kind of like, is he going to turn into what you wanted? That's gone for now. But they're still, you know, they still have options. I mean, I think the, the interesting part too, though, is like a lot of their, I feel like a lot of the elite farm system guys, it's now kind of cycled over. And now some of their better guys in the system are the really young ones again. Mm-hmm. So you hope that there's not too much of a wide gap there in case, you know, in case the system needs to be tapped, which it, it's always going to happen with injuries and whatnot. So you hope that they have enough, but it seems like on the pitching side, they do. Even if you're talking about org depth, where it's just guys that, you know, if they have to make, if they have to start in a in one spot in the rotation for like a week, week and a half, they can. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, they still have those guys. The the triple A that high the group that feels like it should be between triple A and the big leagues. The the Braxton Garrett's, the Jordan Holloways, the Cody Poteets, yeah. the Dan Castanos. That group yeah, that that's still thinks, there. Yeah, that's still there until Max Meyer is ready. And then mm. obviously not having Jake either for the 2022 season with him undergoing Tommy John surgery, think, that hurt yeah. a little bit. But when you look at the younger guys, as you mentioned, now you look back at that bottom half, Dax Fulton and Yuri Perez in high A, uh, Khalil Watson, who spent the entire time at the, uh, the not the Gulf Coast, the Florida Complex League, still have to get back to that acronym. Uh, FCL. Yeah. And then a few of the other guys who were down between Jupiter and Beloit, Victor Mesa Jr., yada, yada, yada. Uh, but yeah, there is them having to trade a lot of that middle tier to make their couple trades between mm-hmm. Connor Scott, between Connor Scott, Zach Thompson, who was a bit of a revelation mm-hmm. after being a minor league signing last before spring training last year. But mm-hmm. again, it goes back to the fact that they only had to trade the middle guys. They didn't have to dip into yeah. some of that top tier to to do the moves they made. It's kind of more pronounced on the position player side, though, because I think yeah. in pitching, it's you're a little more stacked well there. 
but I think there's a bigger gap forming kind of, like you said, after that, you know, lot of reserve line that you're trying to bring in. And then there's a bit of a drop to, okay, these guys are still two years away in most cases. So that's where I hope that there's, that it's not too much where the quality doesn't suffer, but that could be the one area there. That's why you need some of these acquisitions to really not just, not just produce, but stay on the field too. And we've seen, you know, you don't want to see like injuries always happen, but you hope that these guys can be kind of durable, especially when you're getting a, a few guys that not, not to say they're old, but some of the, like, you know, like Wendell's 31 is not yeah. just starting his career or anything like that. So you hope that these guys can hang in there and, and, and produce, you know, no one's going to play 162 like Starling Castro, but mm-hmm. if you can at least get on the higher end of that number and, 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 and be a productive everyday guy. Yeah, and on that, there are still a couple guys. I mean, they may not be on the top three prospect list anymore, but like Jose Devers is still going to be up there at AAA. He'll, in a little bit, he did come up there, even though it wasn't ideal for him to come up when he did. He still showed that he could handle some spot time if needed. The outfield spots, as we mentioned, you got Burdick uh, and Vlade on the way up. We'll see what they end up doing with Monty Harrison. That's going to be an interesting point. That's going to be an interesting storyline going into spring training, whenever spring training actually ends up being, we'll talk about all of that with the lockout and we're outstanding in a little bit, mm-hmm. but Monte is still in AAA with them. Uh, they've, and yeah, you got, you have to go down the double A to Gerard and Carnacion to find one of your other top 30 prospects who are in the, who are in AAA or double A. So outfield, there's a little bit of concern. And then catcher, you've got Nick Fortes, Peyton Henry, Alex Jackson, all three of them had the chance to, show they were they had the potential to be a starter over the final two months. But while none of them showed that, they all showed signs enough that they could be fine as the backup, especially in the time of the DH where you're not necessarily putting your catcher in the lineup isn't necessarily pigeonholing you twice with the catcher and the pitcher in the lineup. With the mm-hmm. DH, you can kind of afford to have more of a defensive-minded catcher going mm-hmm. going forward, knowing that's only one of your nine spots in the lineup that's getting yeah. impacted. Good for Nick Fortes, man. Like, oh, definitely. Like, I remember when I mean I remember seeing him in the minors all, all those years, and you know, you never really knew how far he was going to be able to get. So that was good to see him do that last year and seize kind of his chance. And and now look at him. Now look, he might have a you know at least a, like a role on the team, not just a call up guy once in a while. You know what I mean? So that's that's good to see. I mean, I I, I think the stability stabilizing the catcher spot was big too. I mean, unfortunately it didn't work out with Alfaro, you know, wish him the best, you know, good dude, but you know, they had, they had to get that backstop in yes. better shape. And I think this is a, you know, well, you're not talking, you didn't bring in Yachty, but you, you know what I mean? Like not like that crazy, but I think Stalin's a solid above average catcher that I think is going to help back there kind of, you know, bring that stability. And yeah, I mean, again, it's all part of that off season where it's, not the at least so far not like the most flashy flashy moves but they made solid ones that that i think are going to help in in a lot of areas so i mean but on that note i mean <laughs> moves are at a moves are shut down at a standstill now i mean you're plugged in I, I just got back man what what um what's the hunch you get from talking to the your your bbwa brethren and everybody in the in the business what do you what, what how long do you think this thing is going to drag out yeah it's probably going to be quiet for a little bit Obviously, both sides, the the league and the Players Association, understand the importance of not having games get impacted by this, which is why they know that basically 
early February needs to be probably the latest deadline to get something done. That opens about a two-week window before when spring training should start, and mm-hmm. it makes it so that opening day on March 31st does not get impacted. Again, yeah. and they're also trying to do it as much behind the scenes as possible because, well, let's face it, we saw what happened in 2020 when all the negotiations about how to handle the season during the pandemic happened and just what a bleep storm that became. Oof. So they've been relatively behind the scenes. They've been relatively quiet, trying to do everything behind closed doors. Some things get leaked out here and there. We know what the big things are. We know, again, it comes down to money is a lot of the big things. Uh, the players want the arbitration system to get expedited, basically not making players have to wait six full years of yeah. every time before free agency. That's a critical issue. Yeah, I think, they're trying sure. to yeah. they're trying to stagger it to where it's to basically to a point where it could be as low as basically four years or mm-hmm. a certain age to that's just so, agency. Yeah. I mean, that's going to affect so much of just how you approach trades and how you approach moves. I mean, think about how many times the teams like the Marlins have, you know, made a move based on the fact that you get all those controllable years. It's yep. like, it's like they're just sitting there with that gold in their hands thinking, Oh my God, I got this guy. If that's only four now, you know, how much does that affect the judgment call on, is he worth it, et cetera, et cetera, on that front? I mean, that's that's going to affect not just the Marlins, but, you know, lower payroll teams in general. I mean, you know, the, I mean, look at, I mean, even the Rays. I mean, look at the Rays, the way, you know, they that's not a hefty payroll team, and and, and they've been so successful in spite of that. I mean, that, that's a, that, to me, that's like the biggest I, I think that's the most fascinating issue is how that's going to work out because it's going to have such a dramatic impact. Even one year might have a, a bit of an impact as far as like how things are, you know, c- uh, contracts and, and so forth are designed now. Yeah. It's going to be wild to see everything, but I would expect things this month. I think December is going to be relatively quiet. I mean, I'm not, that's not saying that the league and the player association aren't going to be meeting, but I would think, once the once the calendar hits 2022 and we're in January, I think we'll start seeing negotiations start picking up and everything trying to get more expedited, which again, as we know in our industry, as we get closer to a certain deadline is when we really start seeing move is really when movement starts to happen. So it's gonna be There's nothing to light a fire under your uh, backside like uh, like a good deadline. Correct. And and it happens, it happens just, just like everyone cramming for a final exam. Like these guys, like, it's like, all right, let's get our, you know, what together. And yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but until a new deal is in place, there is a lockout, which in the simplest terms, it means that teams are not teams and players who are on a 40 man roster or who have a major league deal can have zero communication. Players who are on 40 man rosters aren't allowed to use team facilities. Mm-hmm. Anybody who is not on the 40 league, 40 man roster, but is with the team via the minor leagues, mm-hmm. they still have access to everything. The minor, yeah, leagues the minor leaguers can still players, work. Right. Which is uh, why the minor league portion of the rule five draft is still happening on, I believe it's scheduled for Wednesday. The major league portion is postponed until further notice, which basically mm-hmm. means once the new CBA gets put in place, they'll figure out how they're going to handle that. But minor league transactions can still happen anything that doesn't have an impact on the 40 man roster is still allowed to, to move forward at this time. But other than that, it's, it's basically going to yeah. be a dark time. It's going to be a dark, quiet time at this point. It is. And then you just cross your fingers that, like you said, I mean, hopefully they can get this done by February. So we're not looking at a, a total pushback up, you know, into the season. And, and, and even if it's not into the season, but even if it gets close to the season, then you're looking at 
scheduling changes and prep time and all kinds of issues that you don't really want to be dealing with. And with the sport coming off, I know you touched on that for a second, but the, the sport coming off the pandemic, I mean, there's been enough of a financial bit of, of struggle there too. And, 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 and other things. And it's unfortunate, you know, it's just really unfortunate for the, for the sport itself that to be going through this again, going through something like this right now, I should say, you know, coming off of that. Yeah. And you have the financial side of it. And then the player wise, we saw the injury uptick this year with mm-hmm. coming off the shortened season and going back to a full 160. You're seeing it everywhere. Yeah. You're seeing it in all sports, but yeah, yeah you did see it. But in now if you have another shutdown or delay and then us, and then a shortened streamlined spring training, mm-hmm. we could be seeing some of that again at the start of 2022, yep. which doesn't really such help a, the cause either. It's such a stamina sport, you know, and, and such a like durability in terms of like getting your body right, getting everything that, yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I mean. Like you're seeing it so I feel like there's, you know, there's injuries in the NFL, like every week too, like you're seeing it, but, but like baseball, like so much of it is, is like building up your arm, building up, you know, it, it's, yeah, it would, again, it would just be bad if you can't just get the proper prep time. And, you know, you hope that that'll be, that would be provided if you can figure out a way with the, with the schedule, if it does drag a little bit, if it gets kind of close, but who knows, you know, then who knows you maybe the league may be tempted to kind of, you know, rush into the schedule, not, you know, a little bit to not mess with it too much. And then that could be detrimental too. So you hope that they they're smart about it. Yeah. We will see how it goes Uh, with that. We're going to take a quick break. And then on the back half of the show, uh, we're going to have play some interviews from uh, Marlin CEO, Derek Jeter and general manager, Kim Ang. They both spoke with the media on Wednesday about 12 hours before the CBA expired when the club held a press conference announcing Sandy's extension and Avisao Garcia's contract signing. They talked about a little bit of everything. So we'll just play both of their interviews completely through to take through the rest of the episode. So we will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back, everyone. As I said right before the break, just going to play a couple interviews here to wrap up the show. First up is going to be general manager Kim Ang, who, when we talked with her on Wednesday, was the first time we got to talk with her about all the moves that they made over that basically two, two and a half, three day window of everything right before the uh, CBA expired. So we, here is Kim Ang talking about the moves they made and what they are still hoping to do moving forward. If you add another bat, do you think outfield would be likely? And is your sense that it would more likely come via free agency or trade? Well, I can't say whether, you know, which one, free um, agency or trade. We're working both ends of that. Um, but we do hope to add another bat in the outfield. As the roster construct right now, obviously center field, how is, that seems like that one spot that seems to be potential link there. So that was really something that was quite intriguing to us about Avi, uh, is that the idea that he has played center field in the past um, and is definitely willing to do it if we need it. 
Um, so, you know, at the very least, um, well, if we do get somebody for center, you know, he'll be able to spell that person from time to time. So definitely one of the more intriguing aspects of him. Derek told us a couple of times that it's been business as usual. Or it's, tr it's tried to be business as usual. How, how can it be with 1159 coming and all this uncertainty? You know, I think this time of year, I mean, it, I do think that we see things pick up in general um, because of the tender deadline. Um, obviously, that was pushed up a couple of days, but nonetheless, it's right around this time. Um, right now, we, you know, we'd be preparing to go to the winter meetings. So I think in, time, in terms of timing, it, it doesn't seem that, that different. Uh, with Wendell, just how do you see him uh, fitting in with the whole thing? Sure, listen, I, you know... <sighs> He's played third base um, for the Rays for, for a while now. Um, you know, I think one of the great things, you know, similarly to to Avi Garcia, is that he's, um, you know, you can put him at different positions, and, and we can be flexible with it. So I think wherever you know, someone needs a spell, you know, I mean, obviously we dealt with a lot of injuries last year. Um, you know, and, and I think in terms of, multi-dimensionality and flexibility that is something that we've seen uh, the industry go to so I think he's you know, a tremendous ad for us uh, we've heard nothing but great things in terms of um, his personality in terms of his leadership skills and and really what he brought to that Tampa Bay club so we couldn't be more excited can you expect him to be a starter for you all or do you look at him as a person who will just fill in multiple times a week at various spots you know, I think we're going to have to wait and see and see how that goes. You know, I, I mean, I've barely had enough time to, to uh, call Donnie and you know, tell him what moves we're actually making. Um, so um, I imagine that you know, for the rest of the offseason, we'll be talking about how everybody fits in. Because you kind of alluded to it. Is it almost one of those things where guys could be moving around doing different positions if there's flexibility, versatility? Potentially, yeah. Uh, Jacob Stalling to be able to get a gold glove catcher, especially for that rotation that you have? Absolutely. Um, you know, another person that, um, you know, we've acquired who comes with rave reviews just in terms of who he is as a person and what he brings to the clubhouse um, in a leadership position um, and is exactly that type of personality, you know, um, you know in, in, in really trying to bring, bring along our young staff um, you know, we've talked about that rotation for, for a while now, um, you know, and to be able to bring in somebody like Jacob, uh, who has these attributes um, and who has the resume that he does, having just won the gold glove, um, I think was really a feather in our cap, and we're, we're lucky, lucky to have him. Yeah, I know it wasn't timing, probably the timing of, you said young pitcher staff getting bats around the timing of an organization. We run away from prospects, but sometimes you just can't on that situation. Yeah, what you you're know, doing now. Look, I think, I think, you know, in terms of the ideal club, um, you want a mix. You want a mix of, of young players and veteran staff. Uh, or, I'm sorry, veteran players. Um, I think you need to, you know, surround the young players and give them examples to look up to and you know those veteran players will show them how it's done every day and you know, I think you know one of the things about young players is um, you know they, they tend to be a little bit streaky and I think the, those veterans are definitely a calming soothing presence um, and you know, consistency I think is one of the things you know one of the final rungs of the ladder you know, is that you advance through your career 
um, in terms of you know, what you should be striving for, you know, and that's consistency on an everyday basis. And basically, like, you know, what I talked about, Sandy, you know, bringing it to the ballpark every day. I mean, and that's what we're striving for, that everydayness. Because I'll tell you what, 162 games, you know, it's very different than 60 games. And, um, you know, we saw that last year, and, and that's something that, you know, we've got to be you know, physically as well as mentally tough, uh, you know, for. Kim, with uh, Garcia, uh, you get the power, but obviously you got a guy who's also hit for average over his career. Was it important to get both, not just the power guy, but someone who's been, you know, historically 260, 270 Yeah, I think I think that really adds to it. You know, I think you know in, in, when when you've got runners on base, you know, and knowing that you know so they can put the ball in play when needed to, and, and you know being able to situational hit, I think was you know, part of the thought process. You know, and it really is you know, a lot of the way we look at. Um, our players as well. So, um, yeah, it was. You know, I mean, ultimately, you know, I think there are some other metrics that we look at, but, um, you know, such as OPS, and we also have some internal metrics. Um, but I think, you know, overall, uh, you know, his, his metrics were, were definitely in line of what we're looking for. You gave up, obviously, a good pitching prospect in Kyle. But you have not given up your elite prospects or elite young pitching. How, many, how often are you getting calls in the last couple of weeks inquiring about that pitching? And is the thinking right now we don't want to give up our elite frontline starting pitching prospects or guys in our rotation? Yeah, it's not just been the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's just been an onslaught. You know, every month we get calls, um, which I think you know just says a lot about the you know the great work of DJ Zviliak, um, Gary Denbo. Um, you know, Hottie Rod, you know, bringing in a lot of these players, Dan Greenlee, Adrian Lorenzo, Brian Chapman, um, you know, and, and, you know, all of our development staff and all of our scouts. Um, you know, I think that, that they just did a tremendous job, but um, we have been able to keep those upper echelon uh, prospects throughout this, this whole process. Uh, process. I think that, um, you know, look, I, I think that we hope that those guys are here for us, um, you know, as we move forward and, you know, as, you know, as we mature as an organization, you know, we're looking for a lot of those players to step in when needed. Would it take something monumental for you to consider giving up one of those upper echelon guys, a Sixto, a Cabrera, a pa- Pablo Lopez from your rotation, a Max Mark? Would, would, would it take something astronomical for you guys to even consider it? It'd have to be elite and impactful, you know, either for today or for the future. A lot of talk about bats. I'm just curious with bullpen. Uh, made a move already for the depth, but just moving forward, closer, is that something you guys would look into when you think internal option? You know, look, I think, um, I think in terms of the bullpen, we haven't, um, that hasn't been our primary focus as of, you know, for, for the last several weeks. But um, I would say for the next couple of months, we're definitely going to be looking at how we can improve there. Um, you know, and we saw it last year. You know, the bullpen comes is of great importance, obviously. So it's something that we need to start turning our attention to. Um, what we've found in the past is that you know, a lot of relievers um, you know, don't ne- the relief the reliever market doesn't necessarily unfold as quickly as the other markets. So we've got some time, I think. Kim, with Derek mentioned a couple of times, fans are more engaged with them. Fans are excited about these moves. What's your message to them? Not just in light of these moves, but what may potentially eventually come next? Uh, I guess that's the message: is that we're not done, and uh, we're going 
to keep improving the team, um, you know, and, and hopefully we still have another big move in front of us. Kim, with 6-0, we saw the video the Marlins released on Sunday of him rehabbing and whatnot. Is he throwing yet? I don't think I saw that on the video. Is he started a throwing program there, or where is that progress at? I don't think he started throwing yet, um, but let me double-check that okay. for you. Yeah, I was going to ask just, too, about like guys like Coop or Andy. I think, I was looking back, the last time we talked about Coop, it's yeah. like a five-month process at least. Do you know anything about how yeah, he... Um, from, I mean, <laughs> when, I saw, when I saw Garrett in uh, early October... Late September, he he was he looked great. He mm-hmm. felt great. He was really positive. I haven't seen Brian lately, but I know he's been coming to ballpark rehabbing. So I think that's going well. What about Birdie? I know the concussion those are tricky. Um, I believe that he's getting cleared this week. Okay. And then just one more. Campbell, like toward the end of the season, I think he had a wonky something with his arm. Yeah, is there he's any? Fine. He's fine. I was going to ask you about the reliever you did have this offseason so far, Ed. What, yes. what is the OT about him? Do you foresee him as a, a back-end type guy, more middle? You know, I think we're really going to have to see. I think we're going to have to see in spring training. Um, you know, we were pretty happy about that one. Um, you know, I will tell you that, you know, our staff does a nice job of, of really targeting some, some sneaky guys, um, you know, who, who, who really end up at uh, different points of the year uh, having high-leverage situations. Uh, you know, so... Um, you know, he was just another guy that we were able to add to the Like dealing with the Rays. Yeah, oh, we yeah. have a good relationship. I had two last quick things for you. Obviously, Floro is effective late closing. Would you like to bring in another closer option just as competition to have options to build on Christina's book? Yeah, I guess I would say high leverage. You know, we'd like to bring in you know, another pitcher to participate in those high leverage situations. Perfect. And then my one other thing was, uh, obviously you have to give up quality to get quality back. You gave up Meisner, you gave up Connor Scott. Did you feel you could, because you like what you have in minor league outfield prospects with Lede, with Burdick, obviously, or there are others? You know, I'll, I'll tell you that it's never easy to give up prospects. Um, you know, but I think, uh, you know, you, you have to give to get. And I think the players that we received in return, um, you know, will be very good ads for this club. And you felt good about the minor league outfield? Was that part of it at all? Did did having a Blade and Burdick enter into the thinking whatsoever in a willingness to give up Meisner, Connor Scott? Yeah, there's no question that, you know, in our farm system we have certain areas of depth and we could be a little bit more, um, you know, we just had depth and so we could deal from the depth. I figured I'd ask to Derek, it might be better for you, it's just... Uh, you know, are you focused solely on how you guys can improve, or do you have to also keep a feeler for, like, you know, the Mets signs? Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I think it's it's hard not to notice what they've done, but I think we still need to you know, stay on our track and the things that we are trying to get accomplished this year. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that our division rivals look at our pitching and I wish. You know, so I think... Um, Again, I think we just have to stay on track. And then to wrap up the show, here is Marlins CEO Derek Jeter, who also talked on Wednesday right before everything went down. Center field several dozen games this year. Can he be your center fielder in this ballpark? Yeah, I don't see any reason why not. I mean, we'll see how it unfolds, and we'll see when we get to spring training who all we have on our team. But one thing we're having a conversation with him, he's comfortable playing anywhere. That's, that's a plus. He's done it before, 
he played full time in center field for a couple of years ago, so he, he's capable of doing it. But we'll see how it all unfolds. I know you mentioned free agents, other free agents having interest in coming here. Yeah. Some remain uncommitted to other teams, and you're still in active discussions. Uh, yeah. Without giving you any names, yeah. <laughs> and, and is there is there the budget available to add another significant salary on the books to give you another bat? Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm, we're not just going to go out and just make decisions, you know, like it's the wild, wild west. You know, we're going to make decisions that make sense for our team, our organization going forward. But, yeah, we, we anticipate doing more. Derek, with the CBA. But, the, but also, when you take into consideration, especially when you're talking about free agency, players have choices. So you can want a player to come, and they can ultimately go somewhere else. That's why players look forward to free agency. So, yeah, we're going to explore all options to continue to go. Derek, with the CBA more than likely in expiring at 11.59 night, just how big was it to get as many of the moves done as you guys did over these last couple of days to set the foundation for what you're hoping to do? Well, I think, look, we've been operating as business as usual, right? So it's not like this offseason is different and we said, well, let's hurry up and try to do things. You know, this is years in the making. You know, we, we sit down and we evaluate. Just like now, we're not just looking at 2022. We're looking at 23, 24, 25. We're looking, uh, you know, ahead in the future. So uh, we, we would have been operating like this regardless. Now, maybe there's some, some players that are thinking about, you know, signing earlier. I can't answer that question. But for us, it's just business as usual. Yeah. Entering the offseason, you guys probably formulated a plan. How has it gone, you know, so far? I think it's gone pretty good. I mean, um, you know, we wanted to, to address our catching situation, which we did. Uh, we wanted to add some bats, which we obviously did. Um, you know, Sandy, like I said, the conversation has been going on for a while. But deals like this take some time, you know. So uh, we've, we've done a few of the things that we wanted to address, but we still have to do some more. Sir, the last time. Like a, Given it's business as usual, but obviously everyone is sort of anticipating a lockout tonight. Is logistically, is it possible to sign free agents for not just the Marlins, but I guess what you're hearing around baseball, like at, at this moment, or is it tough? I think, you know, I think. Look, we're going to operate like, like there's an agreement. That's what we've been doing this whole entire time. You know, I'm still hopeful that there is an agreement reached later tonight. I mean, who knows? Um, you know, I played for a long, long time, and there wasn't a work stop for all those years. Uh, come down to the wire before where they thought there was going to be one, but then ultimately there was an agreement. So I'm hopeful that there is going to be an agreement moving forward. So we'll operate today like we've, we've done every day in the office. When you, when you, when you yeah. said that you met the uh, free agent personally, yeah. and they, no names, but they've shared desire to play yeah. in South Florida, why, why do you think that is? I think a couple of things. One, I think people like Miami. Right? I think they do like the city of Miami. Uh, and then on top of it, I think they, they see what we're doing, they believe in what we're doing, and they're looking at the players that we have. You know, we, I've said it every time I've spoken to you guys. We have a good pitching staff, man. You know, and, and you win with pitching. You win with pitching and defense. And I think team, our players ultimately see it. And, and now to hear that players believe in it, like once again, I don't know if all of them will come here, you know, but ultimately having that belief from people outside of the organization is important because it's easy easier I shouldn't say easy it's easier to sell Sandy on being a mind because he's been here we've seen the progress that we've made when you start having guys that are from other organizations that are free agents and they have their choice of where they could go um, 
it makes you feel good. And, and I mentioned meeting with, with Avi. I wanted to see it in his eyes. You know, you want to be here. Right? Do, you, do you think that got it done? I don't know. Was a big part of it? I, don't I guess know. I could ask him. You can ask him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Sandy, and I walked him over yeah. a long time. How concerned were you that you don't put bats around him? You might waste some of these pitchers that you have, and that's ultimately uh, the timing. Yeah, you got to score runs. I mean, that was our problem last year. We didn't score enough runs. You know, I think we had a few injuries there, and then uh, things sort of fell apart. I think it fell apart really during one, one road trip. We had a long stretch, so that hurt, but. Uh, we knew we yeah, we know we need to score more runs. So so that was that was one of our biggest goals moving forward is more established fights. One of the big things Bruce said is we're not done. Well, we're not done like like with the with the lockout looming if there is to be one. You gotta get stuff done pretty quick, I would assume. I like I just said before, we're operating as business as usual. So uh, you know, I'm just saying from a player standpoint I've been you know, I was never through a work stoppage, but if it came close a couple times, you know, when people thought maybe there would be one, and then there was an agreement. So I'm hopeful that there is one. Um, so we're operating, like I said, business as usual. Very important here for stabilizing catcher for you, adding a quality starting big league catcher. And what appealed to you about Jacob in that regard? Yeah, I mean, first of all, let, let's say one thing. Um, this this game is difficult to play. It's very difficult to play. And, um, you know, what I was mentioning to you, Craig, you know, when you make trades, and, and bring in new guys and other guys go to other teams, uh, you know, you feel bad about it. And it's not just as simple. I'm a player, you know what I mean? So it's not just as simple as, oh, we're going to trade this player for that player and everyone's happy. Because you've seen guys get better, you've seen them develop, and you still think they're going to get better over time, you know. But it, it was important. We had a chance to add uh, uh, Stallings. Everyone knows the type of year he had. But it's important for us. We have young pitchers, you know, so you need someone that, that's going to help them continue to develop not only Sandy but uh, the other guys that are coming as well. Derek, you played through a stoppage in 94. You had I was not on the roster, my friend. You were in I thought I was going to get called up, you, too. You. <laughs> <laughs> How unusual was that time, though, when you guys were kind of the only game in town for a while? I mean, uh, What was the date on that work stoppage? Uh, it was you, were, you were still with three weeks in Columbus. It was August 94. Three, yeah, it's, I, I remember at the time I was disappointed because I thought that was a year I went from A, double A, triple A. I thought I was going to get called up to the major leagues and then there was a work stop it's just it's, it's amazing how you know your mindset changes from a player who's just like uh, you know selfish you know oh I was going to get called up now it didn't happen but it was yeah it was it was odd it was you know it wasn't good for the sport um, so like I said that I'm, I'm hopeful that, that something gets worked out it gets worked out soon how does an organization balance the moves that you know you guys need to make but also what's going on with the rest of the division making big upgrades be honest with you I don't pay attention I mean you I, I shouldn't say I don't pay attention because you hear what they're doing but we're focused on how we're going to get better it's the same thing when I played I didn't I didn't sit around and worry about what other teams were doing it's just how are we going to get better we know we need to make improvements regardless of what the other teams do you know the other team every team is going to try to get better and improve especially in our division you know but um, you know we're confident in the guys that we have here and we're just trying to so I, I'm aware of what other teams have done, but I don't focus on what other teams are doing. You mentioned how you went through it as a player. How do you deal with this as an owner now, this CBA deal with the players and some of the things that, that came to light, some things with the baseball were manipulated? If you were a player, you'd be pretty pissed off about stuff like that, no? I am. Uh, there's a lot going on right now, man. I think that's the best way to put it. There's a lot, there's a lot going on. I mean, that's, that's pretty... <laughs> pretty big deal 
Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's look. It, ultimately, the number one goal for for everyone should be what best interest of the sport, right? And that's how I've always looked at it. It doesn't make a difference whether you're a player and you're an ownership side. There aren't two sides. It's it's, it's the sport of baseball. And that's that's how I look at it, and, and hopefully everyone looks at it that way. You said you wanted to look Avi in the eye at that breakfast. What what did you see? From him? I guess what was he wanted to be here. Point? You know, it, it was it, it was it was obvious that he wanted to be here. You know. Um, dealt with a lot of people in my life and, and I think I'm a pretty good judge of character in terms of when someone's telling me the truth or not and and he you could see in his eye he was excited at the possibility of coming here and, and that's what you want to hear I mean I think a lot of times you have uh, you know when someone's a free agent they go through a song and dance you know you talk to as many teams as you can you try to drive up the price but um, you know, he really wanted to be here and be a part of what we were doing. In a weird yeah. way, since you were never really a free agent, once a, man, once sort weeks. of, sort of, kind yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have a whole lot of experience in that realm. It's like the one thing in baseball you kind of missed out on as a player. Ah, uh, yeah, I didn't ex- because when I was a free agent, it was basically I'm not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Um, but I've had a lot of conversations. I've had friends that have gone through it. So I, I am aware of how the process works. First-hand experience I don't have, but, but uh, you know, I, have a, I think pretty good understanding of how it goes. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Fish Bites. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Miami Herald Deputy Sports Editor Andre Fernandez. Uh, we will be back again next week, and hopefully we will have some have some stuff to talk about, and we'll just see where everything goes from there. Dre? Once again, welcome back, and thanks for being here, buddy. Great great to be back. Great to have that, that Herald name associated with me again. You know, where it all started for me. It's gone full circle, and can't wait. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Thanks so much, everyone.